0: This
1: is your girl, Jamees. And this is Mr. Khalif on the mic once again.
0: And it's another awesome episode of Friendly Fire today. And before we get too far into our um, very special episode that Khalif and I have worked so hard on researching, like most of our episodes, this one's close to our heart. Before we get into that, let me go ahead and just give a shout out to our sponsor for today. And our sponsor today is Amazon. Please visit us at Amazon amazon.crusade.net go through that link and purchase all the products that you need for family and friends and at this time of year and with all this going on it's a good time to remember the people that you love and send them a little something special just to say I'm thinking about you and I love you and that's all so yeah amazon.crusade.net
1: and also for those of you if you have any comments after listening to the show you feel free to leave comments at the website at crossfire.crusade.net. Mm-hmm. Also, if you want to email us, that email address is friendlyfire@crusade.net.
0: And as always, crusade is spelled with the K. Because
1: <laughs> if it's any other way, it is not as fun.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so today's episode is called Where is the NRA, which stands for National Rifle Association. I mean, is that correct?
1: Oh, that is we- definitely correct. Okay. Um I truly want to know where in the blue hell <laughs> is the NRA today?
0: I know they usually have... So much to say.
1: Come on, Moses. You parted the Red Sea. You let the people go. Why can't you speak up for the people? now
0: probably too old i would think i'm mean, if those of you don't know is referring to the actor Charlton Heston he was famous in the 60s for playing the role of Moses and what was the movie Ten Commandments you damn dirty apes and then also the planet of the apes and many other films but Charlton Heston has been the spokesperson for the NRA for Geez, I, as long as I can remember, I didn't exactly look it up, but he is very in our way and he is the spokesperson. Um, so that's when Khalif is saying, whereas Moses? That's who he is referring to.
1: But not only that, I truly am a little in disbelief about this whole ordeal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the month, the independence month. I mean, Whew. it's, it,
0: you know, what? summer's always crazy.
1: It is summer is always crazy, but mm-hmm. this independence month, I mm-hmm. mean, our last episode was talking about the purge, oh, yeah, and yeah,
0: and you can almost kind of see
1: the purge where this feeling now. is
0: coming from where 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 it uh stems from, I guess you could say,
1: I mean the purge is real, I'm just saying
0: it. Uh, it- <laughs>
1: I mean, people think I'm joking.
0: No, no, no. The purge but, isn't real, but there is a lot of um, retaliation back and forth going on. It's getting really ugly out here in these streets. And some people just want to blame, you know, POTUS. way oh, at the top, you know, being divisive. When I'm like, oh, come on, seriously? POTUS is half white and half black. He's the most inclusive person we know.
1: <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean, as far as Americans go. And we have all the tragic shootings of officers civilians, mm-hmm. I just want to know, when will it stop? I I have, hmm. I mean, I've seen it since I was a kid. Right, right. I'm seeing it now. I saw it in
0: history books, saw and videos it in history books, from the civil rights movement. pictures,
1: reading about it.
0: I mean, it's, it's hard to see history I, kind of repeat itself in a way. Um, and it just makes me feel...
1: And the sad thing is, here's where I'm sad, well, and here's the part where I'm really, truly pissed off. And are I you just, sad
0: or are you pissed off? What, which level of grief are you at today, Klee?
1: I'm, 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 I'm in between steps right now. If mm-hmm. we're at seven stages, where anger mm-hmm. and sadness, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm like in between those. Oh, okay. Because I am grieving. I'm grieving for the lack of knowledge, the lack of sincerity, the lack of oneness amongst people as one nation. Everyone is under God indivisible.
0: we forget about that. we're supposed to be indivisible. We cannot be divided, but somehow we're ripping ourselves out from the inside
1: like um I was having a talk with a good friend, and we were talking about you know like a friend of mine um posted well a friend of mine brother posted a um a joke that was supposed to be cheeky. But it wasn't, it felt totally flat, Mm. at least in my opinion. But his asshole, like, (laughs) sorry, let me rephrase that. Um, Individuals that thought this was funny and they want to say the person isn't racist. Well,
0: well, let's um, let the audience understand. What was the joke that you saw or heard that propelled this issue? Well,
1: some of you are not familiar with memes, you know, the pictures and they have these quotes where they try to be cheeky mm-hmm. or funny or draw attention to certain Some issues. Some kind of
0: social issues sometimes or sometimes it's just funny. Like uh really popular memes are the ones with Kermit drinking tea. That's yes. none of my business, though. I love those. Those are my favorite. <laughs>
1: But the thing that I was talking about, but the, the meme that I saw that one of uh, my buddy's brothers posted was that um something about, I'm sorry if I'm misquoting it now, mm-hmm. it was a few days ago when right. I had this conversation, right. but it was talking about how it had a picture of the Black Panthers, the Klan, mm-hmm. and the people protesting in the Black Lives Matter movement, Oh. and it was talking about what do all these things have in common, it was some like, they're all like terrorists or something mm. like that. And I was kind of like, what? And so my whole response was like, this isn't really funny. I don't know why everyone thinks this is a joke. But It's
0: not a joke to call out, especially in this day and age, talking about terrorists that really aren't terrorists. That's not a joke.
1: No, it is not because...
0: That's like yelling fire in a crowded theater. That's not something we should really joke about.
1: And so my whole issue that I was really irritated about was... I said, Well, the Klan was basically created during Reconstruction when
0: For terror to terrorize.
1: Yes. And maybe the and the Black Panthers when, you know, they, they were They weren't
0: created to terrorize, but they did there was some backlash on their part and there were some factions who did perform terrorist acts like bombings and things like that.
1: Yes. But I have never heard someone from the B L M bombing people. Right. Standing up
0: or promoting violence against others.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had mm-hmm. these jackaninnies that we will discuss later in the show or in a few moments mm-hmm. where they were fighting against people and they they want to say they're upset because of these things that's happening, but it's really putting a wet blanket on the movement, oh,
0: but they're right. not a
1: part of the movement.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And the whole movement really is about raising awareness. Um because what a lot of people in mainstream America did not understand um is that black people were were not being ridiculous and they said you know we' we 're targeted and we want to put it on notice. I mean, we always talk about all this black gang violence and black on black violence. But you guys don't understand that we are also targeted by people that we actually pay their salaries and fund their departments and things like that. And you guys joke about this drive while black thing, but it's not a joke to black people, you know, um, because those stops can get very aggressive and scary. You know, so uh I think that Black Lives Matter is about making it aware and trying to get other minorities aware as well and to not be afraid. Because in our history as America Usually, and I, you know, the black people were the ones who first started, you know, the civil rights in America, and then like the others start to follow because they need us to go first. Basically, we're like the the sacrificial land. right, right. And I'm not dogging any other cultures, but I think it's because out of all the cultures that have been here since the beginning, Native Americans, the the Anglo Saxons, and then the the African slaves. We've been here, you know, just as long. And so if we stand up and fight, then that gives other people the courage to also follow us and fight back too.
1: It's kind of like those crappy movies where, and I'm saying crappy, but it's only because it's the same story mm-hmm. where like these action films that came out, like Divergent and all that other mm-hmm. stuff, it's mm-hmm. always that one person that everyone else, like these people, these mm-hmm. sheep that I see, mm-hmm. They're all like, oh, well, this is the way it is, and this is the way we're going to keep it going. Some people
0: feel, you know, they do feel uncomfortable with that system, but we do need someone to stand out.
1: And there's always that one person in the Mm -hmm. movie that... Mm -hmm. Well, why is it like this? And then they start working outside the system, which throws everything upheaval, and a civil war happens.
0: Exactly. And I'm not saying that you know we're the only. Well, I'm speaking only to America, but of course, you know when it was Martin Luther King and then AACP and them trying to start these movements. They were looking across the ocean at people who have people who have been doing that for a long time. And let's not get it twisted. The want for this drive for democracy and freedom and taking care of the social down downtrodden we got that from the democratic movements in france in the 1700s so these things are all connected we are all human beings who all seek for the same justice but sometimes it gets overlooked when people say oh well you know they're just being overly sensitive
1: yeah and i'm sick you know? of that and i'm and so and the whole thing that not everyone's
0: racist it's like okay well you know what maybe not but you sure all bigoted, and you do have a single small worldview, you know.
1: And that was kind of like the thing. And then all of a sudden, like the whole argument went into saying, like, this person is not a racist. And I said, no one said he was. I'm pointing out the fact that this joke isn't funny.
0: Right. Absolutely. That that isn't funny. I don't see how.
1: And so if you've you truly that. and if the person that I was combating with, mm-hmm. truly understood what the movement is about mm-hmm. and things that he himself benefits from.
0: Exactly. Exactly. We do in our black community believe in trickle down. And he, in his, he is also a minority who was spe- speaking to this yes. and he will definitely benefit from many things that we can get to change that will make more doors open for people that look like him.
1: And so... And the whole thing, I was just trying to, like, me, I wasn't really angry. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sad and angry about it now. We
0: need solidarity, people.
1: Because without us fighting against or preparing and gathering our resources and use it to make change, Mm -hmm. if you're always saying, well, it's not me, I got to get to work, it's not affecting my world, it's like this. When Mm -hmm. I was working overseas, Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm. when... I didn't know this was happening at one of my jobs where half of the staff, which were Korean staff Mm -hmm, members, mm -hmm. they were being half paid or not paid. didn't know this. This was kept separate because it's just like over here. You don't want people talking about pay. Right.
0: Absolutely. But
1: then you start to see this, that all of a sudden. This injustice. This injustice. And then you find out that half, and one of my good buddies, I used to call him Handsome Shin. (laughs) <laughs> love this guy he was really yeah, brilliant
0: there were, th- there were two shins right is that why he was handsome shin
1: well yes there was okay but i like the he was handsome.
0: i think i nicknamed him handsome Shin.
1: well <laughs> i was he, he didn't mention like,
0: what he looked like when he showed me a picture i was like oh
1: yeah he looked like he was a part of the dramas
0: <laughs> he did he should have been on tv but he did cause some drama
1: he did cause mm-hmm. a lot of drama but and when I found out that but it, if
0: someone owed me that many thousands of dollars, I wouldn't have been he as went nice. like
1: a couple months without <laughs> being paid. He was very upset, and I was upset about it. Cause then I said, well, if this happens to this group, mm-hmm. what will protect? It from happening to my group.
0: Exactly, exactly. What is going to stop that? And that is the same thing that we saw, we see again and again and again when there's like genocide happening. You know, eventually it spills over. No one is immune to the violence. And I'm not saying this is like, um, and please don't listen at it that, you know, it needs to be just minorities versus the white majority. That's what I'm saying at all, you Not know, because all. to be honest, you know, the only people we really need to be upset about are the 1% that just take, 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 take and leave the rest of us behind black, brown, white and, and otherwise, you know, and we need to really understand that we don't need to be treated in this way anymore. And we all have a common goal and a common cause. And that is and if in, uh, just as a taxpayer who is black or brown or white or, or, or Asian or whatever, you should want to believe that the people you pay to protect and serve will treat everybody the same way.
1: It's you know? like Dave Chappelle. Um, he made a joke in Killing Me Softly. And it was really funny and people Killing laughed me. at it.
0: Oh, is that like a name of his standup?
1: That's the name of the stand up video. Oh, I
0: like that song too.
1: And, um <laughs> Basically, he was like, until it was produced on Newsweek, white people n- didn't know that black people were being beat by the cops.
0: <laughs> that is true. When that Rodney King thing happened when I was little, see, I wasn't, I was unaware of myself because I was, I was small. But I remember how shocked white America was and how black America was like, well, yeah, you know. <laughs> like, black folks are like,
1: man, this happened on Tuesdays. Well,
0: you know, so it was, um, I think the media. Well, our own personal media with our phones and everything is really just highlight. This is exactly what happened with civil rights, though, in the, the 60s. You know, they finally got to see the real ugly um, because it doesn't come usually to your neighborhoods, but it will one day because, guys, I have seen videos of white men being gunned down, shot in the back.
1: Not just white. On. I've seen Hispanics, right. Latinos,
0: absolutely being Men, shot down. Women, mentally ill people, guys. I mean, this is just. um If you go to uh, what's that website? It's a guarding website that keeps track of the people who are killed. You can just go through the pictures. I'm sure you will find a picture or story of someone that you can relate to. That is either you or someone that you care about. So this Black Lives Matter is trying to just shine a light on that. Yes, we have violence in communities amongst ourselves. Absolutely. That's Something that is a separate issue, we are dealing with that. But at the same time, when I call for help, the person who comes should be coming to help me, you know, and that, and I want that for everybody. I, no matter what color you are, what neighborhood you live in, everybody should feel secure that when that boy in blue comes, it's like a superhero, you know, like, oh, thank God you're here, <laughs> you know, not like, oh my God, the cops are here, you know, like it should be, and that's how I grew up. I grew up. Feeling like the the police, you know, I call 9 one the fire department, all of them, that they were going to come and they would help me no matter what. I didn't think to fear them. I didn't think to be angry at them. Even when I got pulled over speeding tickets, I never second thought about it. But nowadays... I'm more cognizant and when I was pulled over for my registration being out of date, I was, my heart was about to beat out of its chest. I was so terrified because it was getting dark and the cop came up and he seemed a little bit, you know, standoffish. And I think he saw that I was scared and then it kind of diffused the situation, but. I just I never would have been like that before now. Before three years ago, I probably would have been like, oh, yeah, you know, (laughs) I need to get to the courthouse, but I just have not had time. You know, but now I'm just like, I don't say anything. I just hands on the steering wheel and wait for them to tell me it was a digger because, yeah, I I don't want to have a situation that is misunderstood.
1: And. And the only reason why I was just really trying to... And thank you for sharing that.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even go on a tangent with that. But I just remember how scared I was. And I was so close to home. That's so all I was thinking was, oh my gosh, I'm like two blocks from my house. I wish... Ugh. And so,
1: And the whole issue, like when I have friends that seem like they're saying something or showing something mm-hmm. that is just utterly ignorant, mm-hmm. I do my best to explain why... Is ignorant and why, as a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. I should be able to tell you, that's a little offensive, and it's not out of being sensitive. It's not out of being sensitive. Right. It's kind of like I was talking to my boy and I told him about the movie White Chicks, Mm -hmm. and I said, although there were parts of that movie that was funny, but two black dudes white facing themselves, acting like stereotypical white girls, I didn't really find that funny. Okay. But
0: it was funny. It's like I, social commentary. It was hilarious.
1: I I mean I didn't really like it. I'm not being <laughs> yes, I mean did. I like the movie cuz there were funny things about it. Like mm-hmm. Terry Crews was just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like his stuff was like, "What's up, snowflake?" That made me I died laughing mm-hmm. cuz there are brothers who only like white girls.
0: Right, right. And so it's kind of just it was a commentary on it. It's it's a comedy and it's not making it's, I didn't think it but was But I got it caustic but I saw it as a, as a young but person but it wasn't
1: caustic I mean but it wasn't I mean it
0: was the Wayans everybody loves them
1: but that's what I'm saying and I was trying to explain to my buddy I said there's a difference between caustic humor that mm-hmm. is made and it tears you down right but then there's also where you can do stereotypical jokes but it's not caustic it becomes funny I
0: think the idea in White Chicks a part of the idea was that um fortunately and I'm going to say fortunately for our Caucasian brothers and sisters, they are able to live a life that is carefree and they don't really think about being scared. You know what I mean? So there is a kind of like a lightheartedness about, you know, oh, they're spring breaking, you know, don't have to worry about, you know, being arrested and thrown in prison for four years, you know? So these are things that um, we just highlight. It must be really nice to be this carefree. And that's just all that I think that was about, because I also liked one of my favorite movies in the 80s. Which people gave a lot of flag, but I thought it was all Soul Man. I think Soul we talked, awesome. talked about it before, because when he goes to dinner at, with his white girlfriend at her parents' house and how they see him, you know, we as an audience know this is a white guy with like some tanning capsules or whatever. But the way that they saw him, the stereotypes and everything, it just kind of just shined a light, you know we look at things a little bit differently and maybe not being outright racist and you correcting your friend's brother, I think is totally appropriate because if he isn't a racist, you don't want him to get perceived as such because he said something or he posted something that was really insensitive to other people's. And that's the thing that you should point out. We should point out that to each other and to our brothers and sisters of all colors, when something is a little too, inappropriate just you know just be careful you know you don't want people to see you in this light if that's not true and if it's just ignorance we can correct that you know if it's prejudice we can. because i swear correct by that. god
1: if i started posting and i know for a fact and i don't do things as tit for tat but mm-hmm. let any of my latino or hispanic friends and i started saying some really shady shit about <laughs> latino or hispanic culture mm-hmm. i guarantee it, they'd be quick quick
0: to correct you
1: i mean faster than i can go get out of my mouth and i'll be corrected (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that i'm trying to say and i'm just like but how come me as a black guy like oh you're being sensitive but it's like no i'm not because if the shoe was on the other foot you'd be quick to correct me
0: Right, right and i
1: just want you to have that same understanding and cognizant of cultures
0: and that's what I've always tried to do and being an expat and, you know, as a child and as an adult is just being aware of the cultural differences and what could contribute to someone feeling this way or thinking this way. And, you know, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I'll be honest, I'm a lot harder on Americans than I are in other cultures because the way that we are raised the values that we are taught um, in school and in the public sphere and everything, we a lot of things we should know better. You know, so I do have like a really short fuse with Americans just because I'm like, you know, you should know better that that is inappropriate for you to say is inappropriate for you to do. Um, but then again, we have a guy who's running for president, the de facto nominee for Republicans, who doesn't seem to care about what he says and what he does. And that's an unusual behavior because that's not how we're taught in school. You know, our teacher, there shouldn't be a teacher out there who would, who would approve of that kind of behavior
1: from their students. But if you kind of have an affluenza outlook on life, Mm -hmm. this is the way you behave.
0: I suppose. And I just, it's just so ugly because the people who are following behind in his footsteps are not even from where he's from. You know what I mean? So it's, it's really sad that he has become a shepherd of these sheep who really have no clue. You know, I mean, this he's part of that 1% and he doesn't even have it. Honestly, he steals and lies and cheats to get it. But you honored that kind of personality as like a, a great American. I'm like, that's not the kind of things we should honor and respect in our culture. So,
1: and that is a fabulous point. And so so
0: talking about our culture,
1: (laughs) but on the week Um, of the 4th of July, right. Independence week, Mm -hmm. there were many incidences that occurred.
0: It was a rough week for America. It was a
1: very rough week. Mm -hmm. Um, I got this information. um, The Dallas, first, I want to discuss about the shooting. In Dallas during
0: and, the right. BLM. And that's why I said this was really close to us, because some of you do know that Khalif and I are from Texas, Houston, and Dallas is like, you know, this is Texas. I'm
1: skipping a jump it's from close. us. It's
0: close. It's very close. So this happening so close to us, it hits us hard because that was their Black Lives Matter division in Dallas that was leading this march when this tragedy took place.
1: So... And I got this information, also some of this information from Mm Heavy.com. So on July 7th, 2016, Micah Xavier Johnson ambushed and shot 12 police officers and two civilians in Dallas, Texas, Mm -hmm. killing five of the officers. Johnson was an Army Reserve Afghan war veteran Mm -hmm. who was reportedly angry over police shootings of black men and stated that he wanted to kill white people.
0: And... I think this statement was something that he had actually said to the police during the negotiations, negotiations. when they were trying to get him to disarm himself. Um, and that's what the chief of police did repeat. And that he did mention he had no connections to uh,
1: any groups. Right. Right. And so he, when he completed this hideous act, he was running around with a SKS semi-automatic assault rifle mm. and a handgun. mm he and y'all he as we said before he's not affiliated with any groups mm-hmm. but i had to dig a little deeper like right. trying to figure out like well who, who
0: is this guy who right? is this
1: guy who is this micah xavier um johnson, johnson. thank mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. and so because
0: they were talking about how he's self-radicalized right
1: I mean, immediately he self-radicalized mm-hmm, himself. Mm-hmm. He was down with some militant black separatist mm-hmm. groups. And as I'm looking through this, I said, well, first. Well,
0: let's figure out where he comes from, right?
1: Well, he's an ex-military vet. Mm-hmm, how did, mm-hmm. If he's an ex-military Afghan vet, how did what? he get out? Because they said he was relieved mm-hmm. of his relieved duty. Relieved of
0: his duty, not. Duty.
1: What does that mean? Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I found out that he was honorably discharged from the military, although it was under mysterious circumstances. Oh, really?
0: Mysterious?
1: Yes. He was sent home from Afghanistan for sexually harassing a female soldier. Uh-oh. Now, the details of this issue... Why did he
0: get an honorable discharge for that, then? Well, That's before not I get honorable. into that... Okay, I'm sorry. Before
1: I get into that, <laughs> it was really interesting because mm-hmm. the details of this situation was unknown.
0: Uh, yeah, it's probably I mean, been... it's
1: not... I mean, it's not... It's not public record.
0: Absolutely. Especially if the military tribunal took care of it, it won't be public record.
1: So um, there was an article that I found also with his um, lawyer, Mm -hmm. Bradford Glendening. Um, He's a military lawyer. He defended Michael Xavier Johnson. And here are some of his statements. It says the army sent him back to the U.S. recommending other than honorable discharge, Mm -hmm. said Bradford. The military lawyer who represented him. The recommendation was highly unusual since counseling is usually ordered before a drastic steps are taken mm-hmm. and was set to be removed from the army in September 2014 because of the incident. Mm-hmm. But instead, he, re- he got an honorable discharge month later. But his lawyer also said someone really screwed up on this. But it was to my client's benefit.
0: So do we know about when he left the military exactly, or that we don't know exactly how no, long? Don't know exactly
1: because he was I already. I mean, this at thing home, is
0: still being investigated, right? Still
1: being mm-hmm. investigated, and there are like they interviewed people that knew him from the neighborhood.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: he seemed like he wasn't like he spent most of his time on Facebook or sorry he spent his time on social media, possibly self radicalizing himself. Mm-hmm. But like someone that knew him from the neighborhood was in disbelief because they said he spent like eight hours a day playing basketball Mm. and he'll be at the park
0: sounds like he didn't have a
1: job yeah he sounded like he didn't have anything to do with himself he just and so i'm not making up any excuses right no absolutely not these things
0: it just feels like this person was—I mean, usually—but we we do know that people do get radicalized who are lost, who feel like they don't belong, and so this seems like that classic behavior of that that kind of personality. Yeah, they,
1: in the news, the article they said he was a—he was one of those lone wolf types. Mm-hmm. He was usually by himself, but the people that he—I mean, even the people that interv- they interviewed, the news interviewed, mm-hmm. went around talking to people that said they knew him. He seemed like they all called him Xavier. They all felt that he was a really cool guy. Yes, he did live alone and he spent a lot of time by himself. But when he was out mingling with people, everyone thought he was a really nice guy.
0: This sounds like to me the classic workplace shooter. Like, seriously, this is like so um and the fact that he did what he did to me wouldn't be surprising based on those behaviors that lead up to it's just we have to be aware of these types of personalities in our communities and i think um i I don't know but more research to find out what happened what went wrong um and i'll get back to this veteran stuff um later on in the show because it does it is an interesting connection uh we're drawing here
1: because i don't know it just seemed interesting Mm -hmm. but that's all like basically the rough stuff i been finding out about so far right but Um,
0: but we don't want to focus too much on
1: but i'm not focusing too much on terrorists per se i do want to draw i do want to point out he had an sks semi-automatic assault rifle Mm -hmm. and a handgun Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that there were anything that he could have they could have done but at least on this moment where's the nra and I just want to leave you guys with that question as the show moves on.
0: Right, keep Where that in is mind. The NRA? Keep that in mind.
1: As we said before, there were five, five cops. No, cops is an insult. Let me rephrase. <laughs> there were five dedicated Relief. officers that were killed in a line of duty, protecting the civilians at the protest during the Which Black Lives Matter movement. Which was
0: a peaceful march up into this moment, and. Um, they were doing what they were supposed to do in keeping people safe. And it's really unfortunate that they were targeted in this way.
1: So as this moment, I'd like to take a moment to pay my dues. That's not what I really want to say. Give honor <laughs> and respect to <laughs> these people.
0: These dedicated officers. Thank you. hmm. Thompson, 43, a nearly seven-year veteran that was recently married.
1: Patrick Zamaripa, 32, Iraqi war veteran, father of two with a giving heart.
0: Michael Kroll, 40, who just became an officer after spending time working in a correctional facility. His father said his lifelong dream was to be an officer.
1: Lauren Arns, 48, a dedicated professional to his job.
0: And Michael Smith, 55, a devoted family man that was taken away from his wife of 17 years, Heidi, and his two daughters. We remember these five fallen police officers.
1: And thank you for your service. And also, during this moment, I also want to give respects to the individuals the fallen civilians.
0: Now, these people were the ones I think that um, Johnson was referring to. because This happened earlier in the week with these very public slayings of civilians interacting with the police.
1: First, we have Alton Sterling. He was fatally shot by two officers in Baton Rouge, Louisiana on Tuesday, July 5th, 2016. He was shot outside of the Triple S Food Mart selling CDs, was found after the shot, was found after the shot, the gun that was in his pocket. It was also caught on camera, the officer removing the gun from Sterling's pocket. He didn't have a gun permit.
0: And he also was a father of five children, very heartbreaking. His oldest 15-year-old son um the the day after um the video was released and it was all over the internet of it just it looks like a murder and it it was really hard to watch and then the next day
1: well it was really hard to watch because you have you see a I mean he is a big guy but he have him pinned to the ground his arms like almost to his head and you hear the officer say if you move again I swear to God and then not too long after hear pop pop
0: it wasn't just hearing it we actually saw it and no
1: we... I'm, I'm saying I'm just describing I
0: mean I think the worst part was seeing him bleed out we actually saw him die
1: and just <sighs> dis- I mean I don't know people how much I can say this disturbed the hell out of me um i'm just saying not because he's black it's because he's a person i don't give he's a an damn an
0: american on one of our city streets it's not like we're in some war-torn syria or something this isn't something that's supposed to happen here
1: first and foremost i don't give a damn if he had a if he had a prior record mm-hmm. that you should not be held what is that um I'm trying to contain my anger for the moment. You should not use that to demean a victim. That's like a a woman who's raped and you're like, oh, well, she slept with five other guys. We saw this in a few other court cases.
0: Oh, absolutely. And the victim blaming is just disgusting. I really hate that there is no reason for you to I mean and especially he did not escape from prison he was out free so whatever he did before he served his time you know and to the fact that you had to be treated like criminal the rest of your life um that that's not how our justice system works
1: and and I can only go like the fact that he has children mm-hmm. and I don't I I don't think I could ever um Imagine nor relate to seeing my father murdered on social media. I, I mean, how the hell do you live with that? And you get that type of news. You're at school playing on your phone or whatever. Or not even at school. You're somewhere playing on your phone, b-balling or whatever. Someone's You're at like, the mall.
0: yo, dude, I think I saw your dad on, you know. I think
1: I saw your dad on Instagram. Twitter or
0: Instagram or whatever, you know, guy.
1: Someone Snapchatted your dad, homie.
0: You know, and it's, I mean, I'm sure they didn't say it that callously, but they probably like concern. Have you talked to your dad? You know, I mean, I don't know how it went down, but the fact is what makes it even worse is that it was the police you know like i don't know how his son puts it all together in his mind and what he feels like at i mean it's just it's just too much i think at one time for a child to handle and that and that to me is is the worst thing you know just not being able to understand why you know if your father wasn't doing anything illegal you know why this happened to he him? He was
1: sitting outside of a place that he hang that he frequently sells CDs because he knew the owner of the convenience store. The guy who shot the video was the owner of the damn video of the damn store, the Triple S Food Mart. So if he is videotaping this, he knew this guy. I don't understand what was the issue at this point.
0: Who knows, but it, it was it was an incident that that escalated way too quickly, just like the Tamir rice shooting. You know, it, you go from zero to sixty in such a short time. You don't even give people a chance to like understand what's happening to be able to even comply. You know, and that I think is is the problem. You want someone to do something. You know, like show me your hand. Stop. What are you doing? You need to give them a chance to comply to what you are asking them to do. And I don't I don't know what happened in the video. I can only see a part of it. I try not to watch too much of this stuff. I don't I don't really want you know to feel. I don't know. I, I don't need to have too much of this, see too much of this. I, I Knowing about it is enough, really.
1: And the second big story um, that really captured.
0: This is really, this was definitely an NRA banner. They should be on this case.
1: This is a, this is a poster child for being a good American, mm-hmm. being a good NRA member, mm-hmm. being A citizen citizen. who's exercising his constitutional rights.
0: Right. And that was Philander Castile in in Minnesota.
1: He was killed. And
0: that was the next day.
1: He was killed (laughs) by police during a traffic stop in Falcon Heights, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. Wednesday, July 6, 2016. Mm -hmm. He was a beloved cafeteria worker. Did I say that right, people? Mm-hmm. Not a criminal, not a philanderer, not someone who robbed you, he not someone. Kids. He worked with kids that would sneak extra graham crackers to them. Sneak, people. Oh, that's his crime.
0: And like I think some of his his coworkers said, he knew about each child's allergies. You know, he was very. I mean, it, it, it seems like a he simple loved his job, job, but he took pride in it, and I'm sure to those. Students, that matters. And what people don't understand is that the littlest thing for kids they can remember. So that kindness of that of that cafeteria worker who remembers that you have a severe allergy to to lactose, and it's like, okay, don't eat that. You know, here's here's something I made for you that doesn't have. That. I mean, you will remember that because that's someone who cared enough to do that for
1: you. I mean, not to. Uh, not to give a quick tangent, but uh-huh. um I'm going to do it anyway. Are you
0: gonna tell the story?
1: No, it's not going to be a story. No, I'm no, you're, just,
0: your story. Are you gonna tell the no, story? No, no, no. I'm gonna that? just okay.
1: mention it because just those small, as my mother and people in my life small have shown me, kindness. small random acts of Right, kindness, right. You never know what that little thing that you did, that moment when you said, "Hey, good morning," "Hey, look." Everything's going to be good. Everything will be a good day. Mm -hmm. You don't know what those little words could do. That's true. When my parents were getting divorced, there was a janitor when I was in elementary school. Um, I'm going to just say his name. I'm not going to say his last name because it's a very common first name. Mm -hmm. His name was Ray. Mm -hmm. Ray was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, When And this is the 80s, people. When in my neighborhood or maybe in the 80s in your neighborhood, you're when people got people, not many people got divorced. At Especially that
0: not in the South. No,
1: and not in the Bible. Belt. Mm-mm. So when my parents were getting divorced, no one knew what to do, how to treat me. Mm-hmm. They, I was kind of like a little social pariah. Right.
0: right a little right. leper what running does that around. Mean, divorce. Right,
1: right. And so mm-hmm. the one person who still treated me normally was Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being in school. And I was talking to him every time I just felt emotionally like overwhelmed. Like I just couldn't believe what was going on. I didn't want to be in school. If I just wanted to get up and walk out of class, mm-hmm. my teachers would let me because they didn't know how to deal. Right. You know, with
0: they just this. let him deal with it, how he deals with it. You so know. I would
1: get up and just walk out of mm-hmm. class or I would bring toys to school and just play with my toys. Didn't give a damn. But when I was getting too disruptive, my teacher took them, but, I would end up walking out of class and I would go talk to Ray. And Ray, he was a father. He had two kids of his own. Mm -hmm. And he would talk to me as if I was one of his own kids. And I would spend time with him. No one would think. And I mean, if you think about this, this little kid going to the janitor room, hanging out with a janitor, you would think something was weird.
0: Nowadays, because we're so psychotic about The kindness of strangers to children.
1: But I went (laughs) and he showed me how to like, you know, like I always call them the paper doilies. Mm. Not doilies, but the paper dolls where you cut them out and you cut out It
0: makes a a chain.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. He showed me how to do that. And I mean, these are things that he did that helped me. It took the
0: time out of his day to give you some individual attention when no one was really paying you any mind.
1: Exactly. Right. And so this story with Philando Castile, when I found this out about him really touch me because you purposely well not purposely you ignorantly remove someone that was doing a great thing in this world i know and that hurt and that really it, it bothered did
0: me. it did because he just by all accounts you know he was a good person he had a legal permit to have his weapon he informed the officer of such and received like you know, the death penalty. And it just seems so unfair. And, you know, I really like that story about Ray with you. And I think we all have a story like that. You know, for me, it was Miss Becky, who was a cafeteria worker. And I remember the day that I forgot my little lunchbox at home. And my mom had just gone back to work. She'd been she stay-at-home mom for a while. She'd just gone back to work, and I had forgotten my lunchbox. So, you know, if you forget your lunch, you don't have any money. They give you a little – back then, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something like that. And I remember crying because I was like, this is not what I want. You know, I just felt so – I just – like my world was just it was upsetting to me, you know, that I couldn't just, you know, call my mom and have her come bring me my lunchbox. So um but I remember Miss Becky, she was like, Oh, no, honey, it's okay. And she let me have, you know, the free lunch, like with the other kids, you know, the tray lunch and everything. And she just, I guess she worked out something later. But like, after that, she was always like, Hey, Javisa, how's it going? You know, and she would like, talk to me, because even though it wasn't as, awful, my parents getting divorced. It, there was, you know, I was a little kid and there are things that were different and but it, but that was
1: still a random it, act. It of was. Kindness.
0: And the fact that she, you know, later is always, you know, just checking in with me and maybe just beaming. You know, obviously, the first when I came in the morning, coming through the front door and she's like, Hey, Jameez. And I, you know, I just be just smiling because I felt like, and I was always the new kid a lot because my dad was in the military. So having to have this stupid peanut butter and jelly sandwich and not have my lunchbox, not be able to have a tray lunch, you know, you just feel in those days in elementary, you just feel like a little outcast. But she, you know, made me feel she brought me the tray and made me feel better. And, and she's like, oh, you know, and then the other kids are like, oh, okay, you know. So it just, people just, they have no idea, you know, and I mean, and you don't know what your kids go through during the day when they're at school and they're away from you. So uh, these people, who do these acts of kindness and give you those attention that when you need it it goes a long way you know and i do feel like he was that kind of person and i do feel sad that you know his community is going to miss him
1: and also just if you guys want to as jimmy said there is a list on the guardian that keeps updating mm-hmm. there's also another list out there i mean you would have to check the sources like i had um it's called killedbycops.com Mm-hmm. You can look that up because it, it kept updating. There were a few Latino, Hispanic males mm-hmm. that were listed on there also. And even a couple from our hometown made it on the list. So this was this is a phenom not even a phenomenon. I can't even use that word. This is something, this epidemic that is trying to neutralize. I
0: don't know if it's an epidemic. I mean, if you read some of the stories, though. A lot of these, in my opinion, are justified. Like, there is a situation where they are being actively shot at, where they are, and these are not things that Black Lives Matter is going to be that angry about. That is true. Um, but there are situations, like with Philando, you know, and where you can be like, well, this, was not an aggressive attack and this didn't need to happen, you know, so I'm not saying that, I mean, that the Guardian keeps track of all officer involved shooting civilians. And some of these things, when you read the story, you're like, well, you know, he was shooting at the cops. So, um so I just want to make sure that we understand that not all of these people. Exactly. Are. You know, but then again, also some of the people who are killed by the, they are criminals. Yes, but they may not have been acting aggressively. And that's another thing we also need to be, be aware of. Yeah, you could be selling illegal cigarettes or selling illegal CDs or whatever, but the punishment for that, you are not the judge jury executioner out there on the streets. We have a justice system, although broken. We do have it in place. And it is, there are rules that need to be arrested first, processed, charges brought against you. There are things that you, we don't need to just gun down people in the street and just let God sort it out.
1: This is you not. You know,
0: that's not, <laughs> this is not how we work.
1: This is not judge dread people.
0: Exactly.
1: So I pose this question again.
0: I want law and order. <laughs>
1: Where is the NRA? Mm. Now.
0: Well, where were they? Did they say anything well, during this week of terror?
1: The NRA did release a statement after the shooting in Dallas mm-hmm. with no mention of any of the other shootings. Mm-hmm. Um,. The statement released by the executive vice Vice president and CEO of the National Rifle Association of America. I forgot his name.
0: Don't worry, honey. I'll find it. You go ahead and read his quote.
1: But he said, on behalf of the more than five million members of the National (laughs) Rifle Association, and especially on behalf of our members from the law enforcement community. I want to express the deep anguish of all of us feel for heroic Dallas law enforcement officers who were killed and wounded, Mm. as well as those who so bravely ran toward danger to defend the city and the people of Dallas. Mm. With heavy hearts, NRA members honor their heroism and offer our deepest condolences to all of their families. Mm. Kind words. For the cops, kind words for the police officers that were gunned down by this vigilante. So, if you would
0: like to know who to contact with your thoughts and feelings about that statement, his name is James W. Porter II, and he is the exec, uh, the the president of the NRA, and the executive VP is Wayne Lapierre.
1: Yes, I would like it sound. It was very French.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So you can all they do have an open Facebook page, I do believe as well that you can also give your comments and and, um you know, because I if we're going to support the Second Amendment, which I do, I do support the Second Amendment. I do support you registering your arms and having your licenses and being responsible with that very serious piece of weaponry that you have. I support that. And when you're doing the right thing and you have done that, you have registered, you have realized, you know how to use this this piece of machinery, we should respect that because that is in our constitution.
1: And people, if you want to mention anything to the F- National Rifle Association, mm-hmm. join them on Facebook mm-hmm. at www.facebook.com forward slash National Rifle Association. I repeat that is facebook dot com forward slash national rifle association
0: and already quite a few of their members have been taken into task because
1: but before we get into that okay <laughs> with this statement, why was there no mention of philando Castillo
0: Oh, we know why.
1: We don't even to answer a I mean, I'm just saying he was an American practicing his amendment rights. He did have a permit. He did acknowledge the officer and said he, he does have a license to conceal and carry and he does have a weapon. Mm-hmm. But why is there no support? I mean, the NRA support and open carry. Chief Executive Director Chris Wilcox says unequivocally, "We support open carry. We've been the leader of open carry efforts across this country." And this was said back I in think March thirty. Open 30th. carry
0: should is better than concealed carry, in my opinion. Just have it out.
1: You so should. So the
0: police officer can see where it is. Just have it out. And right there, there on the dashboard. You should.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you should have it hanging off a chain just, on just your chest. Just
0: put it out there, you know, because hey, man, everything out in the open, okay?
1: And and I'm just saying, if this is the point, they're they're so vocal about amendment rights. You have a citizen, an American citizen, practicing his constitutional rights, and nothing gets said. Right. Right. And. There seems to be a split with the organization. Philando. A lot it, of was... their
0: members are very upset because they're like, he did everything he was supposed to do. And this happened. And you guys still can't stand up for his rights. And I think it's because just because it was uh, not just a minority, because there are a lot of minorities who are members of the NRA, but also because it was a police officer involved. And they're like, oh, there needs to be more uh
1: they investigation
0: need- but we know why there doesn't need be an investigation because we had the live streaming video that his girlfriend had and there is no questioning what happened in that situation but there's here's nothing my other left question. to investigate why are
1: they such a why are they such a stick in the mud or acting like a a car that is stuck in the mud on this because as the nation's largest and oldest civil rights organization the, and, I mean this was a statement that was eventually released
0: oh please let me read this
1: oh go ahead
0: oh goodness the nra proudly supports the right of law-abiding americans to carry firearms for defense of themselves and others regardless of race religion or sexual orientation the reports of minnesota are troubling and must be thoroughly investigated in the in the meantime it is important for the nra not to comment while the investigation is ongoing rest assured the nra will have more to say once all the facts are known But I think we know all the facts.
1: uh, What? I mean, I'm sorry. We don't know
0: all the, we're still on an investigation of what happened in Dallas, but you had something to say right away.
1: My favorite comedian, one of my favorite comedians of all time, D.L. Hewley. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. He was on Fox News having that verbal altercation with Megyn Kelly. Mm -hmm. And he says, cops are always giving the presumption of innocence where we're getting where citizens are given as you what do you say the deficit of innocence
0: oh the deficit of doubt i forget there was a a a brilliant guy from new jersey who wrote an op-ed about the deficit of doubt and that um minorities are not given the benefit of the doubt it's automatically assumed we're up to no good you out at night with your hood up No benefit of the doubt. You're You're in in a a, bad neighborhood. You're trying to steal.
1: You're in a bad neighborhood. (laughs) Or a good neighborhood. You're hanging on a neighborhood. You look like a bunch of ninjas (laughs) hanging on a street corner. You must be dope dealers. So let me go harass you.
0: No benefit of the doubt.
1: And so he's talking about how (laughs) cops are giving the presumption of innocence. Mm -hmm. But if so, like we have the video of the guy saying, I do have a gun. And he says, I have a permit. And the guy says, well, give me your license and registration. The moment he says, it's in my wallet, he goes, he reaches back in his pocket to pull it out. And all you hear is pop, pop. And he bleeds out. Here's my thing. And he said this. If this was the other way around, let it have been a carjacker. And this happened. That dude was a suspect in a murder. There would have been. Nothing else the prosecution need to persecute that individual. You shot him; he's dead. Enough said. I don't care what your motive was. You did it. You're on video. It's over. Said and done. Get the hell. Here's the here's the key. Lock yourself up. Stay away for 40 years and die peacefully. Or we're <laughs> gonna give you the chair. Whichever which one they seem. We don't fit.
0: have the chair anymore.
1: Okay. I like to say the chair. The sizzling. Now it's the shot. Yeah, now you get the shot.
0: Get put down like a no. dog.
1: But it's an officer who did this. Now you're like, "Well, the evidence need to come up. We need to know what was happening beforehand. We got to see what the what was going on. We don't know if he was trying to threaten the cop I'm like the dude was reaching for his wallet."
0: Yes. But I mean to rehash this. I, I'm I'm gonna stand up for the police officers. In this situation, and in the situation we saw, saw in Baton Rouge, in my opinion, these officers showed legitimate to the bone, core of your soul fear, and they were scared to death in these situations, and they had a gun. And they have a badge. And they reacted as humans do when they are afraid to protect themselves. And that is what happened. They were no longer police officers. They were a guy against a a guy that was bigger or intimidating to them. And they thought they were defending themselves in all honesty. That's what I saw. And that's what really shocked me, especially in the, you can see it better in the Alton Sterling shooting. The cop looks terrified, like he just took down a lion that was trying to tear out his throat like that's how scared he looks and the fact that the police officers are already hyped and in that fear and you don't see anything that happened before that to have created that kind of fear you know they came into the situation already feeling that way and so they're already hyped up on that so with Philando Castile this officer walks up to him let's put it in his we're in the officer's shoes he walks up to this man he's already afraid he there is a black man, you know, and he tells me he has a gun and now he reaches for something. I immediately shoot him because I am terrified at this point, even though he's announced it because how many killers announce, hey, I have a gun, you know, before they shoot? But all logic has gone out the window. So to me, what I see less of a racism issue, there is some bias. I will admit there is bias, but there is also some need for training to get that fear because these are not first year cops right so the fear needs to be trained out of them so that they are consistently being able to go into these situations with the calm cool head and be able to explain to the civilian what they need them to do oh thank you mr castile do you have a permit for that yes i do okay what i want you to do it's out the vehicle and then tell me where you keep the pr- is in your wallet. Where is your wallet? So then, you know, and say, so walk me through what you're doing. So then you can have a situation where instead of me feeling it's
1: under some sort of control.
0: Exactly. So I think really, we just need to really focus on the training part. Um, of the situation and less on oh my god racist cops going out killing everybody because that's not what's happening in, in my opinion and i will stand up for those cops and i don't know why they're so afraid but it's a part of bias and it also is a part of what's going on in our culture that is creating this irrational fear in my opinion
1: well um and i will say that and i will agree with you on that point i'm not saying the cops are racist because that's not the point but there is an epidemic of fear mm-hmm. that is running rampant in this country where people are afraid of people just cause right, not just cause, just cause, <laughs> not because it's you know you're standing up for something it's just oh n- nigger, <laughs> oh or- Mexican.
0: Bigger guy than me. He must be gang banging. He's gonna kill me.
1: Oh my god. White guy. Tall white guy with white, with the mini tattoos. Aryan nation. You know, I mean, right. why can't you just see, oh, it's a dude with a bunch of, like we were in a grocery store the other day and I saw a really tall white dude. He, he was a little buff. I'm, I mean, he was way taller than me. He was probably a little tall, about the rock's height. Maybe not the rock size, <laughs> but he was covered from like, even like in his but he had a hat on but you could see it coming up like the back of his neck he was almost like he had a couple sleeves and i mean not shirt sleeves but tattoo sleeves <laughs> and i looked at him i was like oh nice ink that's all i cut but if he saw me and got afraid i would be very worried for him
0: he like wait a minute
1: because <laughs> i was wearing a cambodian like i love cambodia t-shirt and some blue um basketball shorts i don't think that looks intimidating at all
0: and that's and that's the thing we don't know what they're thinking when they roll up on these scenes we don't know what they are suffering from some of them may be suffering from PTSD from other incidents you know there's all kinds of stuff that's playing into what's going
1: on so um but, but but we do have some statements from members of the nra right about this. Mm-hmm. um do you can find this you can just google it um or any search engine of your choosing um uh, the washington post um it was a very interesting article um uh, marco the uh, he says your lack of message concerning the castillo case disappoints me and makes me question my membership Mm-hmm.
0: Funny how fast you mentioned the cops killed in Dallas, yet it took you this long just to acknowledge the man who was executed in front of his family in Minnesota. No wonder liberals accuse the NRA of being racist. Dustin
1: Rokes. Glad the NRA did the right thing here. The NRA has a proud history of supporting civil rights. Happy to see that tradition continued. Horatio Hornblower,
0: mm-hmm. which has definitely got to be a fake name.
1: <laughs> oh, it has to be. I was like Hornblower. And I was like, this must be like when I first read it, I was like, huh, what? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, sarcasm. Mm-hmm. But many comments about the investigators need to do their job before anything can be said.
0: For now, I think all of these officers who have been involved, what we need to do right now is, uh, they need to sit down. They need to not come to work. They need to be in counseling. They need to work on some, some inner reflection. And, uh, we don't need to be worried about them coming back to work at all. And then we need to then evaluate the situation, see if there are any criminal, criminal charges that need to be brought. Um, and that's the situation I think where we're at with that oh yes mm-hmm. so Khalil, uh, this has been heavy so want to take a break
1: yeah we're going to take a break right <laughs> now guys and as we're coming back from this break we're going to open up with Hillary Clinton giving some very very strong words about systemic racism
0: Mm-hmm.